So I, when Kim said he wants to do these things, and she listed this stuff, I said, well, I better do gentleness because I don't have a reputation for gentleness. Although I really think I'm kind of a misunderstood gentle person because I do think that um, I, I tend to be a direct person. And so sometimes I'm very I'm confused for someone that's wanting to be confrontational or, or harsh when I'm not wanting to be harsh, but I am direct. If you ask me something, I'm going to tell you. And, and so we're, I'm just a misunderstood gentle person, um, although it, it generally is not my reputation. So this was really a good verse, good couple of verses. Tell me what you guys found. Here's what our verse says. Come to me all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden. And so in parentheses, I put weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, or humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that's Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. What did you all dig out of those? At first, I was completely clueless because I didn't know what yoke was. I knew it had a huge importance, but, you know, I had seen... The mechanism before but I didn't know it was called the yoke really so I was like until I looked up that word I was like this is too much I'm gonna take a nap <laughs> <laughs> and then I John came back Walker to it would be very okay. proud of you <laughs> <laughs> but I told Chris he came home and I was like what's yoke he goes I don't know I was like well you're no help <laughs> no that's funny <laughs> but no well you know what I'm gonna tell you you are not in, uh, you're in good company because Rick Warren didn't know what a yoke was either. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, he's written books. He's a big pastor, and he didn't know what yoke was. Um, so I was kind of, I thought, oh, that's kind of different. So what did you guys dig out of this? What nuggets came to you? Go on, Jill. It's dying to come out of your mouth. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's, it's a direct reference to the scripture or not, but... Um, in, in doing some, some of the reading and such, gentleness and self-control are hand in hand. I love that. Like what we were talking, you know, joy and peace and love and wisdom and, and those things, that it runs neck and neck with Yep, with I, I saw that as well, and I, I so loved that. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was interesting looking at the, <clears throat> the definitions um, the worldly definition is not that far from the biblical yeah. definition. You know, the world, the worldly is gentleness is a personal quality, which can be part of one's character. You know, calm, kind, soft, and then um, the you know more the biblical is we need to set aside our judgmental self righteousness. We need to be humble, mm. um, and that. You know, struck me obviously Jesus is the most humble yes. <laughs> person that ever walked the face of the earth and he, and he references that in this in this verse. And sometimes I think the world looks as at gentle as um, weak. Right. And it isn't. It's it is patient. anything but it, yeah, it's, it's very anything. patient. Yeah. Like looking at going more into 
you know, how Jesus was like gentle in his heart, go with the gentle heart. I, I saw that and I was like, it's very patient. Right? You kind of you go to non-believers. You don't just like, you will believe this, you know? It's just like, come well, on, and here's, here it is. And I'll so patience is like the self-control yeah, mm-hmm. part of exactly. it. I, I think it's the polar opposite of weak mm-hmm. is because, you know, you have to have strength and self-control <coughs> to be gentle. Um, and it takes setting your pride aside in order to be gentle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. can't be this, you know, self-righteous. Well, I didn't read ahead or anything for that kind of preparation. But I knew that it was for gentle, or on gentleness. And the thing that just comes to my mind automatically is that's who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I mean, he did get angry a few times, on, as we know, righteous anger, that kind of thing. But when he dealt with people, he, you know, he did it with gentleness. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter's lashing off the ear, you know, and he was like gentle that way mm-hmm. as far as, you know, it's okay. And the example I kept on coming across was um, the adulterous woman. I was with just the thinking Pharisees that. or the Sadducees, mm-hmm. whichever it was, you know, and, and how he, you know, had compassion for her, but mm-hmm. yet was gentle in what he said to the Pharisees. He was gentle in his correction to <laughs> exactly, her, too. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I was just thinking of that one, how gentle he was. Go and sin no more. Where's your, where's your accuser? Yeah, and that was one of the several verses that I, I saw referenced and such as the example for gentleness from Jesus. Well, and I got some of those same definitions, free from harshness, sternness, or violence. Um, gentle, like I was, it was soft and delicate. I thought gentle to the touch. So again, our verse says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my, bur- my burden is light. And although we're looking at that characteristic of gentleness, um, I really uh, wanted to use these whole three sentences in context um, because to me it really speaks to the gentleness that um, showed the character of Jesus, I thought. Uh, so I kind of want to put the cart, for the, the cart before the horse a little bit on this. And I want to look at the first verse, but I want to look at the part that says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Uh, so I want you to kind of, and what, so what came to me, I, me is in my life, have I ever been in that place um, where I'm laboring and, and, and heavy laden? So I thought about this time. It was the first time I ever flew to Amsterdam. It was the first time I ever flew and I was going to Amsterdam. I was 23 years old and I had two babies. Joseph was four and Stefan was two months old. And Gilbert was an airman. So we weren't giving a whole lot of weight allowance to take with us. You got like, you can bring one pot, a pan, and a pillow. 
And that was what they let an airman take. <laughs> so um, I decided I would carry as much as I could in the suitcases. So back in those days, there wasn't any restriction. You could bring as many as you want. You didn't have to pay for them. So I had 10 suitcases, an umbrella stroller, a diaper bag, a purse, and two kids. Gosh. And, um, and, I was, and I was by myself. You know, I was flying alone, had never been on a plane in my life. And so it wasn't bad when I was leaving Phoenix because my mom and dad got me on the, on the plane, right? But I had a 10-hour layover in Boston. And um, I had to get 10 pieces of luggage, my two babies, my umbrella stroller, my diaper bag, and my purse off, <laughs> off the plane onto a shuttle bus, change terminals, oh, and get to my plane and wait 10 hours. I couldn't even check my stuff because they weren't even open for me to check it. So there I was with my baggage. And I think, you know, how many of us are traveling through life like that? Carrying things that we don't need to carry. How many of us are, are trying to make it through when Jesus never wanted us to wander through life like that? He never wanted us to carry that much um, through life. So one of the biggest suitcases I still tend to carry um, is guilt over past sins. And even though my Lord has said, lay that burden down, you don't have to carry that, I have forgiven you, every now and again I'll pick up past sins and throw them up on my back and carry them around. Um, and these burdens are not meant to be carried. J. Vernon McGee says that burdens often refer to sin. So in Psalms 38, 4, it says, for my, iniquities have gone over my, for my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. Um, I think about in Acts, it's, it's when... Um, kind of the, the Gentile Christians are first coming to the Lord. And some of the men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you're circumcised, according to the customs of Moses, you cannot be saved. And I think that was a burden they didn't even want to carry. You know, so they're going to put that burden on the, the Gentile Christians, even though the word says that we're saved through faith, um, not by works. So I don't know, maybe some people are coming out of a church or have been in a church where, you know, the religious, the religion, the religious are trying to lay burdens on you that Jesus says you don't have to carry. Um, and maybe that's a place you've been in your life where you've just been carrying things from the past you don't have to carry. Anyone been there? Still carrying around things you don't, shouldn't be carrying? I'm not good enough. Um, I'm not saved because I, I went through years of thinking I wasn't saved. Well, Lord, I don't want to be dirty rags in your sight. I just want to be saved, Lord. You know. I carry things around like... Yeah. 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 If I hadn't done this, this wouldn't have happened. Now we're reaping what I've sown. Carry that around, you know? And, you know, I can't beat myself enough for the things, even though Jesus has said, lay it down, 
You don't have to go through life carrying those 10 suitcases, an umbrella stroller, two kids. You don't have to carry that around. You know, um, I want to go back because there is some good news. Jesus says, come to me. So this is an invitation that he gives to all of us who are carrying those burdens, those heavy burdens we weren't meant to carry. Come to me. Um, and I don't know about you, uh, but for me, sometimes I go to Kim or I might ask pastor or I might, you know, get online and Google it or, you know, I go to a lot of places, kind of like that old 80s song, looking for love in all the wrong places, you know, when Jesus just says, come to me. And he doesn't say it like this, come to me, come here. He doesn't say it like that. You know what? He says it in that voice that is just calm. So, you know, and this brings up another picture to me. You know, and I was thinking about this time when I was thinking about how Jesus says to come to me about Carla and I. We were up at Holly Lake. And, you know, they fine you up there if your dogs are off leashes. It's a big fine. So Carla had her two dogs up there, and they were off the leash. But they're really well-behaved dogs. They'll just stay right by you. But this is a pretty exciting place if you're a dog. There's squirrels. There's cows. <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff up there. So they were not staying with her. And she's yelling at him, come here, come here. And I told her, um, I wouldn't come to you if you were yelling at me in that voice. I said, call them in a soft voice and see if they come. And she did. She's like, come on, Blackie. Come on, Blackie, come here. You know, come here, Shelby, come here. And they came to her. And it made me think about how Jesus says, come to me. He doesn't say that um, in a scary, harsh, stern voice. Um, he has a gentle touch. His voice is low and soothing. His voice is gentle. It's calming. He says, come and sit with me. I'm going to give you rest. Leave those 10 suitcases, that umbrella stroller. You can bring those two kids, but leave the rest of that behind. Come and sit with me because I'm going to have rest for your soul. And it's the only place we're going to find rest for our souls. And I think that we are 100% more likely to go when we hear that voice saying to us, you know, Kim, lay that down. Those sins are sins that can be forgiven. Susie, it would have happened the way I wanted it to happen. Everything's in my hands. You don't have to keep beating yourself for that. So I look up my friend O.J. Vernon McGee, who I love dearly. And he says, I will give you rest, refers to salvation um, in, through Jesus Christ. And that rest for our soul is practical sanctification. We, we rest when we experience it through commitment and consecration to Christ. Now, I would never argue with Jay Vernon, never argue with him because he's a teacher that knows what he's talking about. But to me, I also thought it means I think it means our spirit and our soul that go into a peaceful state as we walk um, through life yoked to our Lord. And it seems like the more you know him, the more you trust him, the more you trust him, the more your spirit is at rest. And all those ugly things like doubt and fear, you know, they're, they're just down. We don't have to play whack-a-mole with them. We don't have to, they're popping up here and here. They're just down. 
because we're yoked with the Savior and his voice has said to us, come to me. Um, when we think about the yoke, I as well thought it was really funny that um, not all, some people didn't know what that meant. And I guess because I've seen it, I've lived in countries. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've been in, in Turkey where, or, or even um, in Spain where you would see the, the oxen yoked together. And so I knew what that meant. So um, what I read was that you can really only take that yoke that the Lord gives you when you learn to sit with him, you know, to sit down in that place with him. You can't get that yoke if you're running around with all your baggage on you. You need to come and sit, and he can put that yoke on you. When you lay those burdens down and take on his yoke, the word says that we will learn from him. And it's, you know, I think you have to be in that, that place where you can learn, in that state of mind where you can accept the things he's saying. And we can learn from him. Um, we, when we stay yoked to the Savior, we're moving in the same direction he's moving. It's not just that the burden is lighter, but we're moving together. Um, Rick Warren, and this is where I found out he didn't know what a yoke was, says the value of a yoke is that it's half the load. Um, without a yoke, one cow got to pull the entire load by himself. Um, but if you take up the yoke, the, um, if you yoke a cow to another cow, now they're both pulling together. When Jesus says to take up your yoke, um, uh, take his yoke upon you, He's not saying he's going to give you his problems because he doesn't have any problems. It means he's going to share in your problems and he's going to share in your load. Um, he's going to take the stress on himself and bear it with you, praise God. So, um, it also says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, or I put humble in his heart. Um, this is one place where Jesus really tells us what his person is like. You know, I don't know that he says it in a lot of places, but here he says, this is what I'm like. I'm gentle. I'm humble. And we should always want to be that as well. Um, he's not like other masters. He's not like the master of this world or, you know, the master of, of I don't know why I'm thinking of, fashion or whatever, all those other things that we seem to fall slave to. He's not that kind of master. He is gentle and, and caring when he takes care of us. Um, in Psalms 107.29, it says, He hushed the storm to a gentle whisper so that the waves of the seas were still. And to me it said, he's not just gentle with us he's not just the master of us he is of nature of everything out there it's how he responds i remember angie desmond a long time ago part of worship that she shared a story and i i was thinking about this too fairly with the gentleness but i forget all of the details of it but the the crux of the story was there was this horrendous storm winds and crashing waves and stuff and there was like a piece of wood, I don't know if it was driftwood or whatever, and inside it was a bird protecting <coughs> a littler one. And 
you know, and I think her point was all of the chaos and all of that kind of thing, but I also envisioned that when I was thinking of Jennings, because, you know, and we as mothers, how we comfort our children, it's not with anything other than gentleness, mm -hmm. you know, when we're providing that comfort. And, um, and I was just thinking that provision was not only from the elements, but, well, it is from the elements. <coughs> There's warmth and the embrace of a, you know, a bird coming around. And I, I was just, that's what it was in my mind as a description of gentleness. Didn't she just also share that picture with us? Was it Angie who shared that, or did she share it with me? Maybe it was you. I don't think yeah, she, she hasn't shared anything for a while. Maybe it was that she shared that with me just recently, and she showed me a picture of a of a bird in a in yeah. a cleft, a cleft yeah. or something like that. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Let me get this cough out it's of my throat. It's the thing that keeps in front of us often. Mm -hmm. So we should be reminded of it. There's a Bible verse that goes along with that that I had wrote down. And it's, I'm going to butcher the name. I always say it wrong. Thess Thessalonians? Thessalonians. Thessalonians. That's okay. Pete can't say it either. First Thessalonians. Hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write it down too. First, it says, like a mother caring for her little children two, is what yeah. it describes gentleness as. Yeah. Two, seven? Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, wonderful. Well, you were talking fashion. Mm -hmm. So Colossians 3.12 says, Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So fashion fits. Yeah. <laughs> Colossians what? 3.12? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, let's turn to First Kings nineteen. Mm-hmm. And I want to read from one to. Through 18. Uh, to read? Actually, I would like someone else to read because I'm going to start coughing if I, if I don't get my throat calm. And Tony, you did it, such an amazing, yeah. dramatic ter interpretation last time. <laughs> I must have missed it. Oh, it was good. We'll do it just for you, Jane. Mm -hmm. okay. It was good. <laughs> No pressure. My kids made me read it like four times a day. I love it. Because well, they just love the story. And that if much. there's a few words, I you... think it was shocking to them. And then once they realized, oh, okay, they they're gonna it. like this story too. Yeah. But there's a few words you might not pronounce right, and if that you come to that, nobody cares, nobody cares because we don't know how to do it either. Just make up a word. Just, just sound it how it looks, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. right. Sure. Which, where are we going? 19? 1 19, 1 19 1 Kings 19 1 okay. and you're going to read through 18 Tony 
Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, Habab told Jezebel, Jezebel everything Elijah had done, and now he had killed all of the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely. It's by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Stop right there for a minute. Think about this. How many of you said that? It is enough, Lord. Take my life. I cannot do it anymore. Yeah. Go ahead. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head with some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back to a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, I wished I had that bread. 40 days, it kept me going for 40 days. Yeah, this is the nap and a snack passage. Yeah, nap and a snack. I never actually realized he got two naps and two snacks. That's right. (laughs) And the, the only thing that I was thinking about that bread is that has got to be the bread of life. That's got to be Jesus Christ that he is consuming. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant and torn down your altars and put your prophet to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind was there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of the Damascus, Damascus. 
When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Juha? Jehu. Jehu, son of the Nimshi king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of the Shabbat, Shabbat from Abel Mahola <laughs> to succeed you as prophet. Jehua will put to death any who escape the sword of the um, Haziel. And Elisha will put. Is it Elijah? Elisha. Oh my gosh. Elisha. Uh, will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to the Baha, Baal, Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. Um, very good. I, I, She's like, never. Never, never again. <laughs> well, I... I think that, you know, Elijah did not go out when God told him to. Uh -uh. And God was showing his power, you know, but he, it wasn't, that's not what he came out to. When he heard the gentle voice, he knew that was the Lord. Yes, God has that power. It's like you said, you know, he can, you know, chase out the money changers. He has that power. But I think when he's talking to his children, um, he, he speaks in a gentle voice, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah shouldn't have been here. He just, he just came. He was carrying the burden he was carrying and the, what he had labored over. He had just killed the prophets. He had seen magna, magna, magnificent things the Lord had done. When, when Elijah prayed and asked him to, you know, to start the fire after the drought, and it, it was just everything that God had done. And I think he was emotionally, spiritually, physically exhausted. Mm -hmm. And he was carrying around those burdens that, you know, the Lord's saying, what are you doing here? Go back, go back to where you were supposed to be. You know, he, I can protect you. And even though he showed his great power, I think he was reminding Elijah, I have this great power. Mm -hmm. But when he spoke to him, it was a gentleness. And I kind of wanted to laugh at, when he says, and by the way, there's 7,000 that have not bowed the knee, not everyone, because he's like, I'm the only one left. Sometimes I know I've felt like that. I'm the only one in this house, Lord. I'm the one that does everything, Lord. You know how sad and pitiful you are, Susie. <laughs> Whoa. And, like the fact that he, it's almost like, so I've heard this time and time again where you... I don't know, scorn, I don't think it's the word scorn, but like discipline. Like and, rebuked and him. With gentleness and quiet. And then you praise out loud. Yeah. And so that's kind of like what he's doing here, I feel like, is that he, he told him to do something, he did do it. Mm -hmm. And then he called him back very gently. Yeah. He was like, you will do this. You can do it. Yeah. Like, stand up. This is what I'm telling you to do again, but this time he's very like peaceful. Yeah, gentle it. with it. Yeah. And going back to your verse that you had brought up, I I keep like going back to it, and you know he says the yoke, 
it's very appropriate. He gives us stuff that's very appropriate. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, his help in this case with Elijah is very appropriate. You know, he needed that wisdom. He needed that reminder that he was capable of doing hard things. Yeah. You know, even when he felt wrong. Whereas, like, over and over again, when you go into sin, it's very heavy. It's very burdensome. It's very, what is it? Unnecessary. So, like, unnecessary for you to bring 10 bags. You know, like... Yeah. But sometimes we feel that's all we can do and that's what we have to have. That's to all survive. I have control over. Yeah. <laughs> so the yoke keeps us with him. Keeps and us. Restricts us from sin and from the heavy burden. From and, wandering off yes. onto a path we shouldn't be on. Alone. Alone. So if we're yoked to him, we're we're never alone. Well, what I liked about the Elijah verse um, is that he heard the gentle whispers. And it wasn't the great power that he had previously um, exhibited, but he heard the small voice. And God didn't rebuke him. He didn't. Um, he didn't criticize or correct him in a in a rough way. But he was straightforward with him. You know, you're going to go here. Go back to the Valley of Damascus. Um, Haziel will be in charge of Syria, and Jehu's going to be in charge of Israel. And and Elijah's going to be the prophet I'm going to put over you when you're gone. And, you know, he wasn't, how awesome that God would even share all that with him. You know, that would have been like, you are wrong. You're not the only one. Man. That's right. That's right. He was gentle in the way he corrected him. Um, so then I'm thinking, okay, Lord, you've shown us this about you. So if we're to take on your character, what are the things you want from us, Lord? What are, where should we be? Um, I, go ahead. I was just along that lines, zoning in there on um, verse 11, where he's talking about that a great powerful wind came and then the, and then the earthquake came and then wasn't the fire there. came and then the gentle whisper came. came. And it didn't really say, other than the Lord wasn't in that, even though he had just told him, to be on the alert because the Lord is about to pass by, is that he's standing there and all of these big things are happening. And I, I you know, equate that to in the midst of a trial, just feeling like everything is falling down uh-huh. around you, right? And when does he respond? When he finally hears the gentle whisper. Yes. He never responded to the other things. Oh, could we be that smart? Right. That is one of the verses I have. There's two that you've gone over. That um, the book, you know, uh, praying through cancer. Yes. Um, this this is one of the oh, the cool. sections that one of the ladies referred to um, in you know the explanation of how she was how God got her through you know particular situations. And so in the midst of a trial, yeah. everything crashing around you. Yeah. You know, if, yeah. if you focus, you will hear yeah. the still small voice. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, like I said, what, it's almost like what the world tells us is almost polar opposite of being gentle. I think about like sometimes Gilbert will watch these stupid, stupid Karen YouTubes, you know, about how, you know, the, the Karen is, 
you know, demanding her way and pushy and there is no gentleness there. And this is the opposite. And it's like the world applauds that. Yay, she's, she's, she's going for, she's being, you know, aggressive, assertive. Um, but what the Lord says is to be gentle. In Matthew 5, 5, it said, blessed. And so this is in the Amplified. So it says, blessed, inwardly peaceful, spiritually secure, worthy of respect are the gentle, the kind-hearted, the sweet-spirited, the self-controlled, your word there, for they will inherit the earth. Um, Philippians 4, 5 says, let your gentle spirit, your gracious, unselfish mercy, your unselfishness, mercy, tolerance, and patience be known to all people. The Lord is near. And Proverbs 25:15 says, By patience and a calm spirit, a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft and gentle tongue breaks the bones of resistance. And then in 2 Timothy 2:24, it says, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently, enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of truth. 1 Peter 3.15, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. I, I know that more people will come to that than if you're pounding it, you know, if you're speaking in that gentle, calm voice, full of love, that's the voice people will respond to. Anything else we need to add on gentleness? Megan, please stop talking so much and let the other people have a turn. <laughs> Like you, you know, was saying with, uh, you know, not shoving the word down their throat, but it's it's treating gentleness is treating people with um, consideration and respect. Yeah. Um, and that's always going to show favor in people listening or mm-hmm. or such. And then uh, I'd written down uh, being gentle is seen in our words and actions. Yeah. And not just our words, but how you were saying earlier, how we say those words. Yeah. How they come out, not you know, calling the the, the, the pups, dogs. You know, <laughs> with the, and and we we do that at times with our own kids. Yeah. You know, it just gets hold of you. But yeah. that's you know I think where the self control comes together with it. So. Well, my two grandsons, Micah and Maddie. So they've not grown up living together, and they're living together now. And so Micah thinks he's boss of everybody because he's the oldest. And Maddie, who has really been on his own for a very long time because he's kind of been a real latchkey kid for a long time, he doesn't think anybody's his boss. And I tell Micah all the time, talk to Maddie in a soft voice. He's not going to respond to you if you talk to him like that. But if you talk to him, I said, Maddie has been the sweetest kid with me. He will do anything I ask him to do because I never raise my voice to him. He, he has been treated like that in his life, and so he's learned not to respond to it. 
But if someone talks nice to him and gentle to him, calm to him, he responds to that. Micah doesn't believe me and thinks he needs to be boss brother. <laughs> I struggle with that as being the oldest, and I see myself as being that mom that struggles with being stern and gentle. That makes any sense. No, it know, does. Like, I'm the oldest. I've got a child <laughs> who I struggle with being gentle with him all the time because he just, I, I don't know. I struggle with that line of mm. being like, I don't know how much to push, how much not to push, you know. And so we're like this right now. Is he like you? I, Is his personality like you? Huh? No, it's very much Chris. That's where I struggle mm. because I'm like, you are capable. You are strong, and you can do this. And that's where I, like, he doesn't believe himself, so that's where I struggle, because I want him to just learn it and know it. You know, like how God is gentle. He's like, yes, of course he wants everyone to know him, but does he, like, you will know me now. No. I struggle with that, because I'm like, I just want you to see this. Why can't you see this? But what it's like you said earlier, you know, when you're correcting, you're doing that quietly. And, and, um, and when you're praising, you're doing that out loud. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had, of my two boys, I used to say, um, you know, if we got locked in a closet together, one of us would not come out alive if I was locked in with one of them. There's one that we would not, one would not come out alive. <laughs> that one of mine is sitting on the other rung. The, with the quiet, gentle spirit. <laughs> now. <laughs> After you beat it into her. <laughs> One of the things that I, example I had from work, and this was years ago, but um, I was called by, my charge nurse on a weekend because there was an out of control man. And he had two of my strongest nurses in tears. So I knew something was not right. And so, and we were in the middle of the family, I mean, extended family gathering. So I wasn't real pleased that I had to come in to see this guy. And he was a big man, like a Richard man, you know, just. He was. Well, apparently not, but he was, you know, he was just, he was standing up and he was, you know, kind of pacing and, and um, he was loud and, and just all of it, you know, and so I came in and I introduced my, and I was dressed like I am now, jeans and t-shirt and sweatshirt. I said, I don't look like it, but I am the director of this unit. My staff have called me in because they know that you are upset and they can't help you. And so I just pulled a chair and sat down. And he was big, bigger than. And then as I was talking to him, you know, you want to, in situations like that, it, it's natural. They're loud and, and you want to, you know, match it or whatever. I just sat down and I started to lower my voice. Mm-hmm. And he calmed down, he de-escalated with that. Mm-hmm. And that was 100% the Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That did, because I was not thinking that when I came in. You were a man. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. And, 
I'm like, how dare you put two of my nurses in tears? And bring me in from a family yeah. event. Well, the worst yeah. part was the fact that they were so upset. Yeah. And, you know, and that's just uncalled for, period. But what I found out, or figured out, this man was scared. Mm -hmm. He had to stop. He was not from here. He was on his way to Colorado for something that he needed to do. He had to have emergency surgery, you know, and all of that. And he was 100% not in control of anything. Yeah. And so, you know, and he was scared. And so I wonder if, you know, a lot of the gentleness that Jesus shows is because he knows what the person that he's talking to is going through. Yeah. They're reacting in this manner because fear or, or mm -hmm. insecurity or something along those lines.